Hey friends, welcome to But What If You Did? On this pod, we are all about some serious millennial real talk and diving into those uncomfortable topics we've been conditioned to believe we just shouldn't talk about. I'm your host, Allison, and right now, when I look around, I see so many millennials trying to navigate these big life transitions. And well, if that isn't you, maybe you just have this gut feeling that it's time to pivot, but you're standing in your own way because you just don't know where to start. Maybe this isn't what you want to hear, but successfully navigating any big life change starts with putting in the work to learn about yourself. If you want to level up in life, it starts with learning to be self-aware and building those life skills that we simply weren't taught in the classroom. So are you committed to doing the uncomfortable growth work? Well, if that was a hell yes, then grab some coffee and let's get ready to dive right in. Hey friends, welcome back to But What If You Did, the podcast where we share the empowering, encouraging stories from millennials thriving in those messy transitional seasons of life. I'm your host, Allison, and I'm so excited to hang with you for a bit today. So my world still definitely feels pretty messy. And if I'm being totally honest, These conversations about how others have navigated similar experiences and grown into better versions of themselves along the way are totally keeping me going. So today I sit down with Katie Hake and we have a really fun conversation about what it means to fail forward. Katie is a dietitian and a fitness professional. And while we certainly touch on some of your more traditional health and wellness topics, we really approach today's conversation from a how to build your mindset toolkit perspective. Today's conversation is filled with so much advice on how to rewrite your health and wellness story, how to change your internal narrative, and above all else, how to just make it happen. This one is fun and full of stories that stick. So grab some coffee and let's get to today's conversation with Katie. All right, friends. I am so excited to introduce you to today's guest. Welcome to the podcast, Katie. I'm so excited to have you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I want to give you a chance to introduce yourself, tell us what you do, how we met, all of the good stuff. Oh my goodness. So I'm sure we will dive into how I got to where I am, but right now I am a non-diet dietitian and a fitness professional, so I have my own virtual private practice where I coach women in particular on getting away from that all or nothing mentality when it comes to food and fitness. Um, So that's my my full-time gig, my bread and butter, you know, pun intended. Uh, And I teach fitness classes and do fitness education on the side. I'm so curious, what kind of fitness classes do you teach? Oh my gosh, you name it, I've taught it. I've taught everything, you know, including like water aerobics, um, except I, I always joke, I'm the last, I'm like the sub sub if you need a dance class that needs sub. Like, I'm that very last person on the on You're the like, I'll list. try it, but like. <laughs> I'm like, I, I'll, I, I can teach something, but will it be enjoyable? I don't know. It may just make their abs hurt from laughing so hard. I so. love it. <laughs> As I'm learning to step into this entrepreneurial space, I have learned so much about how many people are where they've ended up because they've 
made a lot of wrong turns. They've changed their path 16 times and they've just found this path and they're like, well, this wasn't really what I set out to do, but this is kind of where I ended up. And what I'm noticing with a lot of millennials right now is the pandemic was this big reset button for us. So we realized it like pulled back the curtain on our lives and all of a sudden we were like, oh, wow, these are all the things that I don't really like about where my life was going, right? And so I think that there's this interest in either pivoting careers, pivoting in life, really you know, locking in on what are your values? What do you want to be doing with your life? And then really trying to make a plan to move forward. So I hear that your story is a little twisted. You've maybe made some turns along the way. Maybe you've had to pivot a few times. And I would love to hear all about how you got to being this health and fitness professional. Yeah. Well, you know, I've got my own story through the pandemic. Absolutely. But before we go there, a little backstory is that, you know, right out of, I've always been the type of gal who's had a job. Like I was getting paid under the table at a women's fitness studio, doing the childcare, you know, slinging hoagies at Jimmy John's. Like I was that child always working, you know, if I wanted to go to the mall, I had to get my own money. Like it wasn't, things weren't handed to me. And so I always had that strong work ethic, even growing up. And when I went to apply for college, that was one of my immediate thoughts. Okay, how am I going to work? What am I going to do? And I really got into exercise and specifically teaching exercise, you know, and, and following choreography and things like that. And so I went to Purdue University here in Indiana and I saw, oh, they're hiring personal trainers, no experience necessary. Okay, well, I can do that. I can figure that out. I, I know how to exercise. And for those of you not in the fitness industry or any idea what I'm talking about, there's actually a lot of anatomy, physiology, biology, all sorts of things that go into it. It's not as simple as just do some jumping jacks and that's the end of it. So I applied for the job and went through the training program and ended up failing the test, of course, because there's a lot of information to cram in. And you know, for anybody who's gone to college that freshman year, there's a lot happening and life kind of hits you in the face of, oh, wait. I can't do everything. Life isn't as, you know, cookie cutter and just accomplish X, Y, Z. And so I failed the test, right? Okay. They gave me an opportunity, took it again. I failed it again. So I failed it twice, but in my mind, I still, you know, I've always been this way. I'm, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Like it's going to happen. You know, that's always been kind of my mantra is just make it happen. And so they gave me a job folding towels at 5 a.m., whatever. I took it, right? Because that was my gateway into fitness. And from there, I became a fitness instructor because I thought, okay, well, if this personal training thing isn't working, I'll jump into group fitness. And that ended up actually working out pretty well for me. So fast forward all throughout my college years was teaching group fitness, learning about nutrition at the same time. Finally ended up after the third time taking that exam and becoming a personal trainer. So again, fast forward, you know, kind of along my entrepreneurial career, I graduated, started doing fitness things on the side, also in, you know, on the path to become registered dietitian. And then it comes time to take my dietitian exam, right? So for those who, again, are familiar with the nutrition space, to become a dietitian, you have to go through, you know, four years of undergrad, 1200 hours internship, which you have to match for, you know, I applied, didn't get a match, didn't get into any of the programs that I wanted to. So again, it's like, I know this is what I want to do. I know this is what I'm meant to do, 
lots of times of doubt, but I just, there was that, you know, you have that feeling just in your heart and your gut, like I have to do, this is what I have to do. I mean, I don't, maybe this is a sign from life, but I'm just determined. And so I then took the test, right? Finally got the internship somewhere around it and went to take the test again, failed not once, twice, third time, finally passed it. And, you know, it's funny because now I sit here on this podcast and just thinking back on the growth over the past, you know, five years that I've been in practice now, I'm now sitting on the board where I write test questions for that exam, like this national global certification board. And I now have my own nutrition practice, you know, and so I just think about so many opportunities, so many things in life where if we just fail and let that be the end of the chapter, what a detriment that does to us to just stop there. I've, so I want to dive into that a little bit further. So when you have found yourself in these like failing forward moments, well, let me back up real quick. What's your Enneagram number? Do you know what your Enneagram? I'm a three. Mm. I was like, you're either a three or an eight. I don't remember which wing I am, but I know I'm definitely a three. Yep. The achiever. I see it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. So when you come up against these roadblocks, you're obviously very, no, I'm just going to go figure it out. But what advice do you have for that? Because I think a lot of times we come up against these roadblocks and people are so discouraged. And I think so much of that is because, mm-hmm. as you said, we tie so much of our identity to this thing that we feel really called to, right? And we're like, oh, but this is it and I, I have to make it work. But then life throws you a curveball and it can be really easy to get really discouraged or to feel like, well, maybe I'm just not worthy of this or maybe this isn't the right thing for me. So I would love to hear your advice for how every time you came up against a roadblock, you gave yourself a pep talk to keep going. Yeah. You know, I think back to another moment. So another part of my fitness career is I would travel the country and train instructors to teach fitness. Right. And I had this really big goal and this, this company that I worked for of, you know, I want to be on videos and I want to do all these things. And so for me, when it came to those moments where I wasn't, you know, air quotes achieving, I always gave myself that, that honest conversation of like, why are you doing this? Mm. Who are you doing this for? Right. And so like that, in order to be in fitness videos, I realized that example for me was that's ego. I just want to be in this because of my own ego, because I want to be able to say that I did. Nobody cares if I was on a DVD, like nobody cares. Right. (laughs) So that was all ego. That was all clout. That was all just right. Not doing it for the right reasons versus thinking back to becoming a dietitian. I really had to remind myself, like, why am I doing this? And I think back to that moment where I failed that second time, that exam, I had poured thousands and thousands of dollars, thousands of hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, there's that, that financial commitment. There's that commitment of time, money, energy, but also that failure to others, right? You, you talk about identity, especially when it comes to something that you've studied or you've committed to, you've told everybody your life plan, yep. right? And so it's not only facing that idea of failure about yourself, but that failure of others. And I vividly remember getting into my car after I, you know, they tell you right away if you pass or fail. I remember getting in, sitting into my car and just sobbing. And I remember just pulling up Google (laughs) and saying, what to do after you fail your RD exam. And I remember thinking, there's no resources. I must be the only person who's failing because everybody else must be passing, you know, moving on with their life. And so it's funny, I actually wrote a blog. Like I gave myself that space to go, okay, 
I'm very much like feel your feelings for a little bit, but put a window yeah. on it. What do they say? Like feel your feelings, but don't bathe in them. So I gave myself, you know, a week or I don't remember how long it was to like be sad, be upset, cry about it, eat about it, do whatever I needed to do, right. To feel bad for myself. And then pick back up because I remember this is my why. And so I wrote a blog post about what to do when you fail your RD exam. And it's so, I fun, I mean, not funny, but I get so many DMs from people now who stumble upon that blog post because I, they were in that exact same situation. And so I think, you know, we're talking to millennials about failure and you're so not alone, but this is another example of like, we just don't talk about feeling failure because it has this gross connotation to it. I also love that you wrote this blog that now helps other people because I think sometimes when we come across these problems, like you said, we feel really alone in them, but also that is your window to make a change and to be the one that solves that problem. I think sometimes we come up against a wall and rather than trying to problem solve our way through it, maybe there isn't an answer right now, but what if you could be the one that changed that for people and you took that kind of mindset towards it? So what if I'm the one to go change this so people don't ever have to face this Mm -hmm. feeling again? Yeah, it's stepping, it's stepping outside of that, you know, and I, I bet people listening can apply this to so many different areas of their life, right? It's, it's stepping outside of that. This isn't just about me, right? Whatever I'm trying to accomplish, chances are probably, I'd guess, eight times out of 10, it involves other people. It involves a greater purpose outside of yourself. And so if you can take a step back from that moment of failure, air quotes failure, what can I learn from this? How can I help somebody maybe not make this step, maybe get there faster than I did? And wow, doesn't that make the failure almost worth it? Because then, you know, you're going to accomplish whatever it is you want to accomplish, but then maybe help somebody along the road as well. I love that. So much of, I think too, when we come up against these walls is it goes back to these stories that we're telling ourselves. So if in that moment, the story you had told yourself was, I'm a failure, I'm never going to be able to make this work, I need to try something new. Who knows where your path would have taken you, right? But in that moment, you chose to tell yourself the story of, I'm going to go figure this out. Like, this isn't the end. I'm going to pick myself back up. I'm going to go figure it out. Now that you're in the health and uh, wellness space, I would love to hear what kind of stories you see people come up against when it comes to that. Because I think that it's not even just about like, okay, this is how I got to my career point. But we come up with stories about why workouts don't work for us. We come up with stories about why diets don't work for us. We come up with stories about why I can't eat healthy or why I can't get enough sleep. What kind of stories do you see people most commonly tell themselves and how do you help them to navigate that? So funny. So stories every day, you know, and I, I think when we, we talk about this, a lot of people think of that word excuse, right? And people maybe think of personal trainers and, and workouts and food. They think of it as willpower and excuses. And I don't like to use that word excuse. I like to look at it's a barrier, right? Because a barrier is just like something that gets in your way, whether it's that story that we tell ourselves or something else that's holding you back, right? And a lot of times that barrier is is that narrative. And so one, you know, I used to back in the day when I was first started training and doing nutrition work is I would do what I was taught in school, right? Give people a meal plan, give them an exercise program here, eat this, not that, lift this, not that, right? Very structured and rigidity. And what I learned through my own journey of, you know, struggling with going to the opposite end of almost orthorexia being hyper-focused on food and trying to micromanage everything 
that I ate and how I moved as a way of controlling all these other things outside of me, right? And think back to that crazy time when I was failing, failing, failing. So many things that I'm trying to control, I was not able to. And so I used form of that control in terms of food and, and movement. And so that narrative is that I've got to fit this cookie cutter plan and it's just a matter of discipline and it's just a matter of me needing to will myself to do the thing. And over the years, personal experience, but then working with clients as well, I was like, this doesn't work. (laughs) This doesn't work with food. This doesn't work with exercise. This doesn't work with relationships. Like it's not that cookie cutter. And I think once I realized that and I discovered, you know, for me, this non-diet intuitive eating approach, it really helped me to look at the bigger picture when it came to especially food and movement and realizing that there is not a one size fits all. It's not that simple. It doesn't, or it is that simple, but it's not that simple. And what works for somebody else can't and probably won't and probably shouldn't work for you as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. I th- I, <laughs> it's like I'm reflecting back on my journey, right? My health and wellness journey. I was trying anything and everything to see what stuck. And, you know, I tried Orange Theory Fitness and it was okay for a little while. And then I was like, well, I don't really want to go anymore. And then I tried Bar and well, it was okay, but I didn't really want to go anymore. And I was so set on if I didn't work out outside of my home, that was the only way to get myself to do it. And then I tried at-home workouts and I realized I was actually way more successful at doing them because I actually liked working out in my home by myself without other people staring at me. But I had these beliefs in my head or these stories that I was telling myself that if I didn't leave my house, I wouldn't do it rather than giving myself a chance to try something else. There is so much information out there, especially on social media, right? Like you can sit there and scroll social media and see, try this workout, try this, try this shake. This influencer wants you to follow this. Look at this program. And I think we can get so wrapped up in that, that you discredit your own intuition about what is right for you all the noise, all the external factors that are influencing those decisions make it really hard to, like you said, tap into that intuition. And, but what about me? What makes me feel my best physically, mentally, emotionally, right? And I think a lot of us maybe learned that throughout the pandemic as, oh, wow, there are other components to health and wellness. It's not just fitness and nutrition. There's so many other pieces of the puzzle. And I really hope that that's a shift that my industry goes towards is that, wow, let's look at that. The person as a bigger entity, all these different puzzle pieces. Yes. Yes, Versus just these two slices of the pie. You know, part of the work that I do with clients is helping them. Like I said, they're really smart women that I work with. They know that from a nutritional standpoint, an apple probably has more vitamins and minerals than a cookie, right? People are smart. They don't need me to tell them what to eat and Mm -hmm. not eat, right? They struggle with the why, like why am I making these decisions? And I just got off, it's funny, I got off a call with a client today just before our call who's just really understanding how food feels for her from that physical standpoint. So now we're looking at movement and we had this conversation about the narratives in our head. She said to me, she's like, well, Katie, I'm just, I'm really lazy. Like I'm a really lazy exerciser. I just want to do things really slow. I want to watch the video. I want to skip over that. And I was like, do you, do you hear yourself? What you're saying? Like you, you identify as that. Like, yes. How is that shifting how you approach a workout? Like, are you looking at that as, and so we had a really good conversation about 
you know, what is that fine line? Having compassion for yourself, right? Giving yourself grace, listening to your body, like being kind versus making those barriers or, or having those narratives from a place of, I can't, I'm not confident, like I'm not enough, right? Does that make yes, sense? Yes, and I, I totally agree with the whole identity side of it. But I also just think that like, well, I'm all about debunking millennial limiting beliefs because I think that we all have a lot of very similar limiting beliefs. It was a product of the time in which we were raised our parents' generation and how they taught us about health and wellness. Cause that was the thing too. We really weren't, at least growing up for me, like, although I knew that I should do, I grew up a dancer, like I was active all the time. Nobody ever really talked to me about the importance of health and wellness. Right. And so I think we grew up watching this and you know, you'd hear your parents make excuses about, Oh, well I'll go when you're done with class or, Oh, I'll start this, you know, once your brother's in kindergarten or I'll do that. Like, that we heard these limiting beliefs and we internalized them without realizing how much we internalized them. And all of that followed us into adulthood. And I think the pandemic has pulled back all of these layers on all of these different limiting beliefs and these life stories and things that we've been telling ourselves for a long time. And now we're kind of having to face them more head on and be like, okay, well, is this something I want to believe moving forward? And if not, why? And so I think the why plays such a huge role in any big change you're trying to make in your life. But I think it's no exception for health and wellness. If you're not clear on why Mm -hmm. you're doing it, it doesn't matter what you're trying to do. You're not going to stay committed to it. I would love to hear some of the the limiting beliefs that you see, whether it's, well, I'll just start when, or I'll start after X or those kind of things. But also, how do you help someone get clear on their why around fitness in order to move them forward? So it's funny that, you know, people a lot of times end up in my, you know, virtual office because they almost see me as a last resort because they've tried every diet out there, every program, every lifestyle change, right? They've tried everything out there and they kind of look at my approach and they see, oh, non-diet, that sounds sounds like too good to be true, but I... (laughs) I give up. I'm at this point where, you know, they're, they're feeling so down about themselves. Right. And that narrative and that I I just can't do it or whatever it is. So some of the narratives that I see a lot of, like you said, are tied to how are you raised around food? Mm -hmm. What do you believe? Like, what do you believe around food? So a lot of it can, that can happen when we're young, right? How we were raised around food and movement, but I've seen even as a adulthood, you know, I've seen, women have no real issues around food or movement. And it's really not until they get into early adulthood that there's all these, again, those external factors, social media, right? (laughs) Magazines, podcasts, like so much noise out there that then pulls people away from that intuition. You know, think of like babies, right? What happens when babies are born? They cry, they need some sort of needs met and they eat, right? Or they cry and they have to go to the bathroom, right? Like it's very, so it's not until we are then become adults that we're taught otherwise. We're taught you need to finish your plate because I said so. I don't care if you're hungry or full. And that's what pulls, it's all those little micro experiences over the years that then pull us away from really trusting. So 
I think so much of that ties back to ultimately getting really clear on your why. And I think something that really, for me, I had to get clear on my why, but I also needed the accountability and the community aspect behind it. And I think something that we see, you know, online in the Facebook world and in the Instagram world, all of these communities and, oh, this fitness community can help you. And it almost becomes over-talked or like it becomes taboo because you're like, oh, I don't want to just be part of another random community, right? And I think we lose sight of what the true meaning behind having that community and accountability is. What is your experience with, you know, helping someone as their coach? I assume that you are a big part of the accountability factor, but if it isn't just a one-on-one coaching experience, how can people really find that community aspect and that accountability aspect that will help them stay connected to their why? Yeah, going back to beliefs, you know, what is your beliefs? What are your experiences around that word accountability? For me in my space, a lot of people think of accountability. They think, well, Katie, I want you to follow me around and tell me what to eat, what not to eat. And they they really have this negative connotation with accountability. It's, it's you're going to tell me what to do, right? And take away a lot of that freedom. When can you look at it from a different perspective? And maybe that means you need a different coach or you need a different community, but it's, it's more about finding people who are on your side, right? They're on your side of the table. They're going to cheer you on. They're going to lift you up. They're going to create a safe space for you to show up as you are, right? You know, it's like therapy, you got to show up even on the days you don't feel like it because that's probably when you need it most. Mm-hmm. Or even when, gosh, you, you can think of so many different It should all show up on those days because you, there's so much that can happen that we just don't realize. And so changing the way that you believe that word accountability or what you're getting out of a community, because if you've had a negative experience, you probably haven't found the right community because it should feel supportive, uplifting, and empowering. And it should feel easy to be a part of a community. Like I really leaned into these online communities through the pandemic because that was when, okay, Mm -hmm. it's no longer socially acceptable to go outside of your house to find community. So you have to get creative and you had to learn to embrace these digital communities But when it's the right community, you always feel welcome. Like you always feel like you have a voice at the table. You can talk to anybody. You can start a conversation with anybody and they truly support you. And I think that that is so important that if you haven't found a community that feels like that yet, like you said, you just haven't found the right community and keep trying because eventually you will find something that opens that door and has that feeling for you. And adding to community, right, because that's part of how we connected as well, you know, are you just showing up in that community and you're taking or are you giving as well, Mm -hmm. right? Because I think that, you know, that contributes to the overall word of community, the overall purpose of community, but it's a give and take. You know, you can think about that in other relationships in your life too. Am I always just showing up to take, 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 or where am I adding value? How am I helping others? You know, because that actually does make us feel good when we we're on the other end as well. It's interesting because I was having that conversation with someone and it was about like a mentor versus mentee um, kind of thing where it's like it, they feel like they're constantly looking for that mentor that they haven't found yet. Right. And I was like, okay, but like, how are you giving back to mentor someone else? And I think sometimes, like you said, we get so focused on the, well, I'm in the learning stage and therefore I'm in the take stage that you don't realize that you are already a couple steps ahead of somebody else that's just starting their journey. And you should always be giving back to those that are just a step or two behind you, because that's truly how the community builds. And that's how you grow as 
a human and like really step into being your best self. And I would offer that advice to anybody listening, maybe who is trying to find, you know, specifically like a coach or a trainer or a therapist or, you know, some, something of that capacity, it should feel collaborative, right? Like just like a mentor mentee, it should feel collaborative. And just as that clinician or, you know, that coach should show up prepared and ready to help you. You should also feel motivated or inclined to also show up prepared because that's how you're going to maximize that relationship, that experience is when you both, like you said, both come to the table with, hey, this is what I'm going to give, but also this is what I want to get. So on this podcast, I like to talk a lot about radical self-awareness. And I think because for me, that was when my life changed was when I had that shift from, oh, the world is out to get me to, mm, the only one that's going to change my life is me. And until I learn to love myself, other things are not going to fall into place. Like a relationship didn't fall into my life until I was obsessed with who I was as a person. The right career didn't start to present itself. These communities didn't start to present themselves until I was really self-aware and really on this self-love journey. And I know that you talk a lot about self-love in your community as well. And I would love to hear, one, how you think self-love translates into your health and wellness journey, but also why that is such an important part of growing? Oh, love that question. You know, I almost described the the model of work that I do, the model of, you know, nutrition counseling that I give. It's, it's a self-care model of eating, right? And so what that means is I'm making decisions around food, around body, around my environment that that align with taking care of myself, right? And that can look differently. I think a lot of people think of self-care as bubble baths and manicures and pedicures, right? But nutrition and nourishment and joyful movement, those can be forms of self-care. And so again, looking at the bigger picture, what am I doing to take care of myself? Because like you said, the more that I can tap into me and my physical feelings, right? Physical is like, you've got to go to the bathroom, right? What happens when you have to go to the bathroom? You feel that like pressure. (laughs) So you go to the bathroom. So if we look at that in terms of food, like, okay, if I'm hungry, I should eat. If I'm, and so it's starting to differentiate those physical feelings from the emotional feelings, because when we can separate and feel the physicality, then we can, or that self-awareness, right? We build up that self-awareness. And so by doing things like like movement or even yoga or walking or like mindful meditations, the more that you can do to connect with that bo- the body physically, that can actually really help that self-awareness and again, help you to then make decisions from these different aspects, from that logical brain, but then also not just looking at that. You can look at these other factors as well. I think that that is so important to, like you said, to just really start to learn to be more intuitive with yourself. I think, you know, as millennials, like we were taught to kind of shove our feelings under the rug for a lot of things. Like that's why we don't talk about the hard stuff. That's why we don't know how to build relationships. That's why we don't know how to build these strong connections with people is because we were just taught to not talk about them. And at the same time, I think we were taught to not really pay attention to these signs that our bodies were giving us, right? We were just kind of taught, oh, well, that's, that's not important right now. There are just so many things that we put limitations around ourselves for for so many years. Most millennials are in their late 20s, early 30s, up to their mid 30s at this point. Like this is your chance 
to start to learn about your body and to really learn about your mental space and to learn about your emotions and your spirituality and how all of these different things kind of connect back into a big puzzle. Can I share an exercise that I think would be really helpful to listeners? So I didn't make this up. I wish I did. I'm not that smart. (laughs) This exercise was created by a dietitian in my field. Her name is Marcy Evans. She specializes in eating disorders and body image, but she does this exercise where, and I think I use it for body image work, but you could apply this to so many areas. So draw a tree, like if you're creative and you're listening to this, press pause and like get out a pen and paper and draw a tree, right? And so think of the roots of the tree and what are some of those primary messages that whatever it is that you're feeling stuck about, like what are the primary messages that you received like from the very beginning that tells you this is good or this is bad or this is acceptable or not acceptable. And then go up to that trunk. This is a very abbreviated version, but then go up to the trunk of the tree, right? And think about, okay, what are my current beliefs, whether Mm -hmm. it's around my body or my career or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, that thing you're feeling stuck. And then you've got these branches right on top of the tree and think of that. Okay. What do I want this to look like? What would a positive relationship with my body or with food look like? How would I describe that? How can it grow? And I don't know. I just love, I'm a visual learner as well and like very kinesthetic. And so taking some time to just think about that journey and recognizing that just because you had something or something experience happen to you at one point in your life, you can rewrite that story. You can, you can change that narrative. I have taken away so many impactful pieces of wisdom from this conversation. And I think my audience is going to appreciate this so much, but something else that I think millennials are really terrible about, and that is giving ourselves credit for when we do navigate the hard stuff in life. So I make it a point to wrap up every interview with my favorite question, which always throws people off. And that is when you look back a year from now, what do you think you'll be most proud of yourself for? Oh my gosh. You know, that's a hard question to answer because my past year was pretty wild. I, well, so what I was just to give you a little background. So I got married in April of 2020, you know, just imagine navigating a wedding and then navigating it. I think I planned overall like three weddings at that point in in 2020. But at that same time, that was also when, you know, again, epiphany in pandemic, I took the leap to go full-time with my private practice. And so I feel like for me, there was a lot of personal growth, personal growth, professional growth, growth in my relationships, reprioritizing and shifting. Like you said, what's important to me? What what do I want to be? Who do I want to be? What is it? What do I want that to look like? And taking a lot of jumps that felt scary, a lot of transitions that happened to me during that past year in 2020. And so for this next year, you know, do you ever, I hope somebody listening, hope you can relate. And if not, I hope you get to the point where you, you can relate. You know, I've had this really weird feeling lately of just like, I feel like really good things are going to happen. And part of that I think is just, you know, whatever spiritual higher power you believe in, I don't know, God or the universe, whatever it is. Like, I think the more that you tap into that and you truly believe that like more good things come. And so I hope that I, when I look back a year from now, I hope I'm just really proud of the risks that I took and just continuing to trust myself a lot more, trust myself 
in all aspects of my life and recognize that, no, I, I do know, I do know what's right. I, I am the expert <laughs> at my experiences at creating this life that I want it to look like. And so I hope I look back a year from now and recognize like I lived life on my terms. We'll see. I'll have to listen to this in a year from now. We'll see. <laughs> I know, right? So it's funny. Self-trust is something that I've been working on with myself. So when you said that, I'm like, oh, yep, that's a big one for me right now. But also um, I just read John Acuff's new book, Soundtracks, and something that he talks about, it, it's all about the soundtracks that are in our head and rewriting those soundtracks. Mm-hmm. And something he writes in the book is that you need to be telling yourself, everything is always working out for me. And he shares the story in the book where his kids are like in the backseat of the car And he's like, oh, I pulled into a really good parking spot in the grocery store. And my kids are like, yes, dad, everything is always working out for you. And I go to pay at the register and this person pays for my candy bar. Yes, dad, I know everything is always working out with you. But like, it's so weird how when you just start saying that to yourself all the time, how you start to notice the good things around you. And I think that that noticing the good around you is something to be really proud of. It's rewiring your brain, right? And just like anything, it takes practice, but the more you practice it, the more intuitive, (laughs) you know, the more natural it comes. Well, this has been so delightful. I'm so glad you were able to join me. I would love for my listeners to be able to connect with you, learn more about you and your community. Tell them where they can find you. Yeah, I'd love to hang out on Instagram. Uh, My Instagram handle is at kt. Cake, like cake with an H, so K-T-H-A-K-E. Um, that's the easiest place to find me. Otherwise, my email is katie at katiehake.com. My website is katiehake.com. And I also have a podcast called Fit Friends Happy Hour. So we talk all things nutrition, fitness, uh, life in your 20s and, and 30s from a, a non-diet lens. So. Uh, you guys should definitely go check out her podcast and absolutely connect with her over on social. And thank you so much for joining me. I have loved this so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate you creating this space. Okay, friends, I hope you enjoyed today's episode, but I want to take a moment to celebrate the fact that you showed up and put in the work, even if it felt hard. Growth doesn't always feel good, but it sure does mean you're leveling up in life. For show notes, blog posts, downloadable resources, and more, head on over to butwhatifyoudidpod.com and be sure to join our But What If You Did community insiders so that you never miss an update. Just scroll to the bottom of the screen and sign up for free. And if you vibed with this episode, I would love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts telling us what vibed with you. This is the best way to help the podcast grow and I just love hearing how the pod is resonating with you. Simply take a screenshot of your review and send it to hello at alisonpalank.com. That's hello at A-L-Y-S-O-N-P-A-L-L-A-N-C-K.com and I'll send you my exclusive Life Lessons Roadmap for Surviving 2021 Workbook as a thank you. See you soon.